Hi, thank you for tuning in to the Finding Harmony podcast with me, your host, Harmony Slater. Well, hello. I'm so happy you're here to connect with me today. I wanted to have a little talk or talk to you a little bit about something that came up the other day when I was coaching one of my clients and it felt really important to share. Um, We were touching upon this feeling like that you need to open your heart or open your body in order to have that emotional release and that often we use the asana practice as a symbol or a sign like, oh, I'm opening, I'm progressing, I'm having a somatic release or a somatic experience, and that must mean that I'm, you know, becoming more compassionate, my heart is more open, or, um, you know, we tie our spiritual experience as a human being of being compassionate, loving, Um, sensitive, kind with an advanced asana practice, right? Having an open heart means you can do kapotasana. If you can't do kapotasana, then you don't have an open heart, right? So people who can do kapotasana by nature are more compassionate and caring and kind than people who can't do a deep backbend posture like that. And when we stop and start to examine these beliefs, it's not true. Like, it's just not true, right? We all can see hopefully, (laughs) that that's not true, right? We know that there's zero correlation between having a deep backbend and being a spiritually evolved human being or being more kind or compassionate or having a more open heart, zero. When I think of some examples of the most open-hearted humans I know, um, let's just take Mother Teresa, for example, someone who dedicated her life to serving the poor, was up, you know, bright and early, not bright, probably dark and early, right? Up before anyone else, praying, like connecting with God, having this immense presence, this immense compassion for all human beings, whether they were sick or hungry or rich. Um, Incredible, incredible woman, incredibly connected, incredibly spiritual, incredibly open heart, so forgiving, so compassionate, so kind. And she was kyphotic. She couldn't do a backbend, right? So just thinking of examples, I mean, there's so many other examples. I'm sure you have your own personal examples of people in your life who you just know to be the most gentlest, kindest, most caring and compassionate human beings maybe you've ever met. And they have no flexibility. They're not doing backbends. They're not stretching their hamstrings. They're not, you know, even doing little bridge, let alone Kapotasana or Urdhva or something more advanced, right? And so when we stop and look at this belief, we can see the truth. We know the truth when we stop. And yet, we still have this sense that if only I could do this posture or if only I had this opening, I would somehow be complete. I would somehow have a release or have the experience of wholeness. But when we give ourselves the time and the space and we realize actually we're already whole and complete, we're already enough. If we really, really understand that, 
that being kind and compassionate and spiritually evolved has zero correlation with our flexibility, with our posture, with our ability to perform asanas. When we really, really embrace that to be true, what's left? It's how we're working with our emotions, how we're able to sit and be with our emotions, how we're able to actually feel into the pain and the suffering of ourselves, of others, and be with it and not run away from it and not try and change it, but just to hold space for it. It's our ability to be compassionate and understanding and loving with ourself and forgiving with ourselves as well as others without trying to make them change or make them wrong, but to hold that compassionate space, that loving space, that loving presence where it's all welcome because it's just part of our human experience. So I felt like this was something that I really wanted to share with you um, just as a follow-up to the conversation that Peg Queen and I had last week. If you haven't listened to that conversation, I think you'll really enjoy it. I would um, just go to last week's episode and it's a whole interview that I did with Peg and we were talking about this and when I said that I don't think that asana is necessary at all, because I really don't think it's necessary for our spiritual evolution. I think that once we are able to disconnect fully, that asana has anything to do with how spiritually evolved we are as human beings, um, then it frees us. It really, really frees us because then we're not practicing to get anywhere. We're not practicing to get anything. We're not practicing as a goal to reach enlightenment. We're not feeling like if I don't practice, I'm going to be a worse person than I am. We're not feeling like our self-worth is attached to our practice, attached to our asanas, or attached to our performance, or attached to our regularity of practice. We're able to unhook our self-worth from our asana practice and then that frees us because we can recognize that we actually have everything we need within us everything is already there already present and if you want to practice asanas if you want to enjoy your body that way then you can you can just do that and nurture your body and get into your body in that way and be with all the sensations and have that moment of integration and presence and self-love and self-care but you can do it without having to make it mean anything about yourself you can do it without having it mean anything about your development, your spirituality, your uh, worthiness, your value, um, whether it's going to be a good day or not a good day. Um, you can do it and just notice and just notice what arises. But I think we're often stuck in this pattern because it's a very deep pattern. It's an old pattern. It's a pattern that we develop as children, a pattern that most of us get stuck in, I know I definitely um, get stuck in it often, um, of feeling like you don't have enough. And so whether that's I don't have enough time, I don't have enough money, I don't have enough friends, I don't have enough uh, postures, I don't have enough 
influence. I don't have enough work, whatever. I don't have enough clients or I don't have enough students or whatever. I don't have enough classes. Um, whenever we're in this pattern of scarcity, of not enoughness, it's an inner feeling, right, that gets projected outside of us. But internally, what happens is we're seeing we don't have enough outside of us or feeling like we don't have enough around us, whether it's time, money, people, um, whatever that is. But really what's happening is we're feeling like I'm not enough, right? Because if I don't have enough, why don't I have enough? I must not be enough. And there's lots of ways that this I'm not enough story can sound, right? Maybe you've had these thoughts. I know I've had these thoughts. There's something wrong with me. There must be something wrong with me. I'm broken. I'm defective. I'm not lovable. I'm not wanted. Maybe I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not successful enough. I must not be worth it. I'm worse than this person or I'm better than this person, right? You have both the positive and the negative side of that ego showing up, comparing all the time, comparing, and then what does, happens? It leads to despairing because there's always someone who's going to be better than you at something, and then there's always people that are going to be worse than you at something, right? And so it keeps us stuck in this pattern of just feeling like we're not enough and we need to strive and we need to work. And we need to get somewhere to become something that we're not, to get something that we don't have. And so just watch for these stories and watch how they relate to your yoga practice. Because there's no amount of doing that will take away that deep-seated feeling that I'm not doing it right, or I'm not doing enough, or I'm not worth it. Because you're trying to fix the wrong thing. You're trying to fix something that's deep inside you by getting something outside of you. And it's just a never-ending um, hamster wheel that you're on, right? You just keep going around and around in circles because you're not healing it at the root. We have to get to the root of our perception because that's what's broken. Not you. You're not broken. There's nothing wrong with you. You don't need fixing. You don't need healing. There's nothing broken. The feeling, the thought that I am broken is the thing that needs to be addressed. And so when you really understand that worthiness and worth is an inside job, it's something that we have to actually slow down to be with, to see the thoughts, to feel the feelings. And it was just an innocent misunderstanding probably something that we took on as children. Something happened and we made it mean something about ourselves. And most humans have bought into this, most people. But it's just the perspective. It's just this misunderstanding that we need to fix ourselves or that we need more of something to be better. And it's simply just not true. And unfortunately, the Ashtanga Yoga method, the system, the way it's set up, especially uh, in the Mysore style of practice, which I love, <laughs> don't get me wrong, I think it's the best way to learn yoga asana and to practice because you get to go in deep, you get to be in silence, you get to be with your breath, 
You get to feel into whatever's arising for you and have your own experience of it without anyone telling you how you should be feeling or interrupting that process, that inner process for you. So I do love it. But I do think that it is set up in a way where you're rewarded for certain physical um, advancements that you may or may not have uh, the capacity for or the genetic disposition for. And that leads to perpetuating this deeper internal pattern of feeling like I'm not good enough when you're not advancing or when your perception is I'm not physically advancing. And the teacher then holds this um, barrier or holds the key to you feeling good enough. And so again, you're resourcing your worthiness by looking to someone outside yourself, whether it's looking to your teacher, looking to the practice, to the postures, right? When I can do this posture, when I can get my leg behind my head, finally I'll be, I'll be worthy. It'll be enough. When my teacher finally gives me the new posture, oh, then then I'll, it, I'll get that feeling that I'm worthy, that I'm enough. And so I think the way that it's set up is actually um, not so healthy sometimes, especially if we're not aware that we often come to the practice looking to heal ourselves from a sense of feeling broken, feeling incomplete. And for a while, maybe it works because we're advancing and we're noticing these openings in our body and we're maybe feeling things we didn't feel before. Um, and so we feel like, oh, I'm progressing. I'm finally healing. I'm finally going to be whole and complete. But then you get to some of those harder asanas or some of those asanas that maybe are just really about being genetically gifted, right? And then what? The pattern just reignites. Yeah, the fire is still there because the seed wasn't pulled out. It wasn't pulled out from the root. It was just a band-aid. It was just something that was covering up the real root, which is our deeper feeling, that deeper misunderstanding that we're holding. We're holding it in our bodies. We're holding it in our unconscious mind. We're holding it in everything we do in our behaviors. And we have to actually uncover that and be courageous enough to do the deeper work to discover who we really are. And once we do that, once we own that and claim that worthiness and claim that inner power, that inner love, that self-love and that compassion, and we really feel integrated and whole, which is something that we have to do internally. It's not something an asana will ever be able to do for you. Then we can wake up to what we're really capable of. And so for me, this is where I feel we have to go as yoga practitioners, as spiritual seekers or spiritual beings, having a human experience, as people who want to awaken and want to have an enlightened moment, an enlightened moments, um, an experience of true integration and peace and love and contentment. We have to go into this deeper work. 
And this deeper work is independent of what you're doing with your body. Um, not in that it's not a part of feeling embodied because there's so much that we hold somatically, right? We hold so many patterns in our body. And so there is some great benefit to un patterning ourselves, right? To having these openings, to putting new experiences, new patterns in our body for sure. And being able to feel into our body and feel the subtle sensations of our body is such a gift. It's such a blessing. It's such a tool. So for sure, we're going to use our body to uncover some of these deeper emotions, some of these deeper thoughts, because every thought carries with it an emotion and it carries with it a sensation in the body. Every sensation in the body carries with it a thought and carries with it an emotion. And so they're all interconnected. And so we can't just use the body without also doing the work on the other side, the work of being with our emotions, noticing what unconscious memories, what unconscious feelings or thoughts are coming up to the surface, and then examining those and working with those as well. And so for me, this is where I love and I think that coaching is so, so important so that we can really embody this full integration and really upgrade our ego structure, right? It's not that we're going to get rid of our egos. We need our egos. We're embodied humans, right? We have a body just like we need our bodies in this world. We also need our egos because they help us to move around and to, um, you know, talk to other people and to um, be in this world. But we also need to embody our essence or our divine presence or that unconditional loving aspect of ourself. And so whatever your practice is, whether it involves yoga asana, or maybe it's pranayama or meditation, um, it's so important to also just do some of this deeper work to really, really go in and notice, notice what's coming up to slow down and question question you the thoughts. Is the thought I'm not enough? Is that actually true? Can you know without a shadow of a doubt that you are not enough for this moment, exactly as you are, exactly who you are as a unique human being, a unique spark of divine consciousness right here on this planet this time, in this very moment, can you know without a shadow of a doubt that you are not enough and that you don't have everything you need right now for this moment? I think when we slow down, we start to look at that belief or that idea that we need to be better or do something more to get somewhere to be something better or different than what we are? The answer is always no. I, I can't know that for sure. I can't know that if I do advanced series, I'm going to feel better about myself or I'm going to have some kind of spiritual awakening or be more content or more loving or more kind. 
So then when we look at this, we can ask ourselves, how do I practice when I'm practicing from a place where I feel like I'm broken, like I need to be fixed and that this practice is going to fix me or that I need something or I need to get somewhere or I don't want to lose something, right? As if there's anything to be lost or gained. How do I practice? How does that affect the way I approach my practice? How does it affect the way I treat my body in this practice? How does it make me feel? So really questioning, slowing down and examining and questioning. How is it that you are being with yourself as you practice or within your practice? And if you turn that idea, that false misunderstanding around, and you recognize that you already are enough, that you already are an embodied God in human form, or that you are, your body's a temple, and it's housing this spark of divinity, whatever way you want to frame it for yourself, that you already are a connection, a projection of universal consciousness, of universal love. When you embody that and you approach your practice from that space, how does it change? You don't actually need to do any asana at all because you're already perfect. You're already complete. You're already whole. You already are having the exact experience that you're here to have in this moment. And so then how does that change? How does it change the way you feel in your practice? How you be with yourself? how you treat your body, how you be with your body, how you be with your mind, your sensations. So I just love bringing this up because I think it's so, so important um, to think about and to look at and to question in your own patterns, in your own practice, in your own attachment to the asana practice or the pranayama practice or the meditation practice, whatever it is. Are you going to the practice to get something from it, right? Are you going to it with this idea that I need this because I don't want to lose something or because I want to gain something? Because that really changes um, your ability to be with yourself, right? Because that's coming from that scarcity pattern, from that scarcity habit from that scarcity mindset where you feel like you're not enough and you don't have enough and that this thing is going to help you get what you need and for me that is why I think that the asana alone isn't enough because we have to do this deeper work of slowing down and questioning and examining and looking at our patterns Because we have these patterns as human beings. We have deep, deep misunderstandings, you know, from when we were children that we bring into everything we do now as adults. And sometimes the seeds of these misunderstandings and these patterns are even generational. There are ancestral traumas or patterns or um, thoughts because that gets passed down too, right? It's so deep it's so deeply rooted and to really stop and examine them and question 
the validity because otherwise we're just acting from these unconscious thoughts and beliefs and patterns and ideas and it changes who we are and how we are in the world and we can't just change our body and do something with our body and expect to end up being different people if we're not slowing down to be with the emotions to be with the thoughts because we exist on all of these levels right we exist somatically as embodied humans yes but we also exist as emotional beings we exist as mental intellectual beings we have all of these bodies when we look at the koshas or the five bodies right we're all of these things physical energetic emotional mental and then there's also this body of bliss this space of divine bliss and connection and joy and perfection and so i love working with people to help them uncover these patterns to help them go to the root of the misunderstanding or the root of the obstacle or the block that's holding them back and it's so much more than lengthening your hamstrings or deepening your back bend um, it's really about opening yourself up to greater possibility to greater potential to more love to more joy to more peace to really embracing who you are just as you are which allows you to call in all the things that you want or that you desire in a way where you don't need them to complete you or change anything about you so it's just a very different way of approaching your goals or your activities or your life and I think it's really really valuable and important so I wanted to share this with you today and just give you a little taste of some of the work that I do with clients uh, inside my coaching container and hopefully you found it helpful something that will benefit you in your practice and in your life and if you are interested in working with me in a more um, personal way uh, as a one-to-one -one client or in some other capacity uh, please reach out I do have an application online to see if we would be a good fit to work together um, but there's lots of other offerings that I have my membership my mentorship um, as well as some courses and workshops and retreats next year where you can connect with me in person so you can find all of that information on my website harmonieslater.com and if you haven't downloaded your free two-minute breathwork exercise or two-minute morning breathwork uh, practice you don't have to do it in the morning you can actually do it any time of day it's a really really powerful practice for just decreasing anxiety for helping you uh, get grounded and feel embodied immediately and you can find that on my website as well just on the home page on the banner there's a link there I'll put a link in the show notes as well so just head on over to harmonieslater.com and reach out to me on Instagram I would love to hear your thoughts on this I would love to connect with you and answer any questions that maybe this sparked for you or any thoughts or ideas or misunderstandings or understandings <laughs> whatever it may be so you can find me on Instagram Harmony Slater official and 
yeah, reach out. Let me know what you think. And I would love to just uh, connect with you there and hear your thoughts. So wishing you a beautiful week ahead. Thanks for listening to this episode of Finding Harmony. With me, your host, Harmony Slater. You can find out more information on my website, harmonyslater.com. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Standing in eternity's shadow Watching the breaking waves There's a heart